you have been summoned. Morning, everybody. It's great to be here. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to gathering with the saints. So appreciate everybody praying for Levi. He's doing a lot better. Um, everybody stayed home today. Um, uh, he's uh, having to take his medicine every hour, and uh, so as you might imagine, he uh, just needs to be at home. So. Um, Anyway, like I said, he's doing much better. By the end of the night last night, he was kind of like, oh, after his like twelfth dose of stuff yesterday. He's like, oh, I don't want any more. So, felt bad for the poor guy. Well, Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us and your great love. And God, we just are grateful to be in this place this morning and to gather. Uh, with the saints to to receive from you what you have for us, God, to hear your word, Lord God, plant it inside of us, cause it to uh, take root downward and grow upward in us, Lord Jesus. And God, we pray that that it would be the the foundation on which we stand, God, that you would teach us the the things of your word, Lord God, as only you can. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter ten. Rather conveniently yesterday when I uh, I went to go study, this just happened to be where I was reading, where I had my bookmark, and uh, this just kind of jumped out and grabbed me. Oh, that's convenient. I think I mentioned this last week, but it's uh, it's hard to articulate like what it feels like, just that, that pressure of needing to have something for, for Sunday, especially when you're busy all week. And it's like you come to Saturday and your brain is just completely empty. And uh, but it's a good place to be because then you have to trust him, don't you? So I think we've all learned that nobody's here to hear what I have to say. That'd be pitiful. But um, we want to hear what God has to say and my amusing commentary. Uh, yes. Amy was over last night, and she could attest to how amusing I can be when I set my mind to it. And, uh, pushing Cynthia's buttons just a little bit. You know, they say happy wife, happy life. And that is true. There is also a school of thought, slightly irritated wife, amusing life. And I saw that somewhere, and I thought, yes, this is my people. <laughs> so, she's just so darn cute when she gets a little irritated. It's fun. <sighs> See, Amber knows what I'm talking about. She used to push her buttons, too. <laughs> she used to live with us, and then we both pushed her buttons. <sighs> anyway, here in First Corinthians 10, I'll just start at the beginning. Uh, moreover, brethren, I would not have you ignorant that you, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They did all eat the same spiritual meat, and they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock which followed them, 
And that rock was Christ. And I love how many times he uses the word all there. Because uh, uh, one of the things I, I just I love about the gospel is that God puts us all in the same boat. You know, because if it was about how well you could do, that would be bad. <laughs> be very, very bad. So, hey Heidi, you don't look like a day over 21. How about that? So. I know, right? Sorry. 20. You got to suck up to your wife's boss whenever you can. It keeps those paychecks coming in. Anyway, um, but no, so he says all throughout this passage because because God put all of his people into this place. Um, And then he kind of makes sort of a a separation here because then he says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. He didn't say all of them. I think there were like Joshua and Caleb. (laughs) Uh, And Moses. Most of the time. Uh, but no, he says, uh, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, and they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were for our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a funny thing when you read Corinthians, uh, how much it's like living in America. It's like they're surrounded by this debauchery and in this city. Uh, and th- this culture that was so bizarre that you know, Paul had to really spell out for these people. It's like, well, this is what the Word of God says. You know, this is what this is what's acceptable. You know, we're not we're not out to be like everybody else. We're out to be different than everybody else. You know, we've we've had that conversation a lot with our children, um, especially you know, comes time for Halloween and stuff, and you know, we don't take them out wandering door to door to collect raised red candy. And, uh, you know, um, see all the, the freaky people in their, their, like, disgusting, vile stuff. I mean, obviously some of it's cute, but we just stay away from it altogether. And um, the kids have kind of gotten used to it, more or less. But, you know, it never feels good to be, like, the, the different kid, you know. So, um, uh, but, you know, it's really cool because we've got these new neighbors. They just moved here from Oregon. And uh, they, they, they like, moved into this house without ever having seen it or anything. It's, like, the first time these kids have moved. One of them uh, is actually in Jeremy's class. And, uh, uh, and they are just the, the most polite kids, which is a, a welcome change for some of the kids in our neighborhood that just show up. But, um, um, you know, he, uh, like, uh, you know, we didn't really talk a whole lot about it, but when he found out that we didn't take our kids trick-or-treating, on Thursday, he showed up at our house after school with his candy and was, like, sharing. As if we didn't have any. We had, like, a ton. But, <laughs> like, nobody said we didn't buy candy. I mean, I just didn't collect it from strangers. You know, my parents told me, don't take candy from strangers. But, uh, you know, and, uh, and, of course, we had, like, some little mini pumpkins sitting on the thing because, you know, that's what you do, you know, in the fall is you buy those things and you let them rot. And... Um, <laughs> So, but they, they like brought over their little like pumpkin carving kit and they were like, so I come home and there's like pumpkin seeds all over the sidewalk and a little spoon and a bowl and uh, Jeremy didn't want to stick his hand in there. So, uh, understandable. 
So the little girl Brooklyn's like, I'll do it. Just start scooping this stuff out of there. So, uh, so they're really great. But, you know, I think, you know, it's interesting because, you know, there's, there's that different thing that happens there. It's like, you don't go trick or treating? No. You know, and it's like, you've all experienced that you don't do a Christmas tree? It's like, is your heart like this big? <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I do everything but the tree. It's like, yes, I buy my children presents. Yes, I call them Christmas presents. I know some people insist on calling them New Year's gifts because you can't say Christmas. So, God forbid, I know. But uh, I'm all for being careful. Don't get me wrong. You know, uh, don't want to, you know, Obviously, don't want to be flippant with the things of, of the Lord, but but you know, just that I don't know. It's another thing you read about in Corinthians is that sense of you know liberty, but not letting that liberty be a, a stumbling block for other people. Uh, so I suppose there is always that line to walk, but uh, but it's interesting being different from everyone else, and then um, you know, the great thing is is in the in the Word of God um, we have. This example, you know, uh, we're all familiar with the whole, you know, example of here's what not to do, you know, and uh, and you really get a lot of that in as you read through the Old Testament, you know, you, you read about what the children of Israel did, and that's what he's getting ready to talk about here. He's like, so so here's what not to do. You know, sometimes it's easier to just tell people what they can, what they can't do, rather than what they can do. Sometimes it's easier to tell them what they can do, what versus what they can't do. It just kind of depends. But here he says, um, uh, I'll, uh, in verse 6, Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Excuse me. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. And this word idolaters literally means image servant or image worshiper, just like as you would expect. Um because, of course, an idol is an image. You know, but uh, um, you don't have to go with me. I'm just going to read something from Romans briefly here in chapter Romans 1. Chapter one. That uh, little note that I made next to this verse here about the idolaters. Um, and he says, And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God to an image made like the corruptible man, and to beasts, birds, and forfeited beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God to a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And if that doesn't sound like the United States, I don't know what does. You know, it's it's like it's like socialism. You know, man is God, we can fix it and all that stuff. Uh and so you know, and and, and really that is idolatry. You know, that, that making you know, and, and another interesting thing, I was talking about this with Cynthia last night, something I hadn't even thought of. She's like, yeah, that's kind of like how, you know, if you if you don't really listen to what God says and you kind of just kind of do do your own thing, but like, you know, kind of tack the Word of God into it and squeeze it into to, and twist it around and make it say what you want to, that's, then you have an idol because you have, you have this Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus. And I just kind of stared at her. I was like, mm-hmm. That's a good point. <laughs> it's like I hadn't thought of that. That's great, but it's true. 
it's really easy, you know, uh, to to just kind of do your own thing. Um, uh, you know, in the book of Judges, of course, when there was no judge, uh, the Bible says that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You know, and um, you know, if you're thinking your thought process is informed by the Word of God and, and you're subject to the Word of God, then uh, doing what's right in your own eyes is probably going to be what's the right thing. It's probably going to be what God would have you do. But it comes down to putting yourself in, in subjection to His Word. And that and actually, if you read in 1 Corinthians 9, you know, Paul talked about you know um, keeping his body under and putting in the subjection, beating it black and blue. As it were, and uh, and keeping it, uh, you know, under the word of God. So he says, "Neither be idolaters, as were some of them." As it's written, they sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. You know, and and uh, and that word, you know, for playing, it it literally just means like frivolity and hilarity and like even like dancing. And and that's kind of like what a lot of the church does. Like they sit down to eat and drink, it's like they, you know, they have this service, and then they get up and just go and do whatever it is they do with with no thought for what the Word of God says. And Paul, gets, he talks about that later on in this chapter, talking about you know communion, and and it's like, did you did you hear what the Word of God said or or not? So he says uh, in verse eight, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed, and fell in one day, twenty and three thousand. Of course, that word means exactly what you would think it would, what it means, and also is used of idolatry, um, because you know God has this relationship with His people, and 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 so to um, you know to to trust in something else, to love something else, God sees it this, just like just the way you or I would see somebody cheating on their spouse. It's the, it's the exact same thing. He says, neither let us prove or let us tempt Christ as some of them were tempted and were destroyed of serpents. And then uh, this word tempt and tempted is, you know, you look at the numbers if you have a keyword Bible and it looks like it's they're vastly different words, but they're they're the same word with a, a little prefix on one of them. But it means to prove by testing. So, you know. You know, obviously, um, in Genesis, God tempted Abraham, the King James says, but he tested him, proved him to find out what was in him. And, uh, you know, God already knows what's in you, too. That's that's a great thing. So he brings it out where you can see it. And it feels like it's this big revelation to everyone, but really it's just to you and maybe the people around you. Maybe not. You know, I, uh, I've told you before, but uh, I remember... Seeing something particularly unpleasant in myself, um, and I uh, spent a lot of time with Kevin when I worked with him. You know, I mean, when you work with somebody like just you know like two two of you, when you work together all day every day, like you spend more time with them than you do with your family. You know, and uh, like you know, I just I'm a butthead, and and it, and he just looked at me and. and you could see the gears turning. It's like, how do I respond to this? Because, yeah. But I can't say that. So I, I got to, you know, I got to turn this the right direction. 
I don't remember what he said even, but uh, it was something appropriate and, uh, and encouraging and all that stuff. But you know what's interesting about, you know, the idea of, you know, because of course, you know, God proves us like that. But, you know, but here he says, neither let us prove him. You know, and, and of course, Jesus told the devil in uh, Matthew 4, he said that, it's, you know, it's written, you should not tempt the Lord your God. Um, the interesting thing about in tempting God, you know, I just you know, let's take that example that uh, that he that Jesus used with the devil there, where because he, uh, he told him, you know, jump off the building and, and God will keep you from dying because He's not going to just let you die, right? Because the Word of God says this and that and the other thing. Um, there's a this, it, it's like a superstition or a distrust. You know, I think it, it's really indicative of both. If you feel like you have to prove God, you know, and and God even invited Israel to prove Him in Malachi. He said, "Prove me. Bring your offerings in and see if I don't open the windows of heaven." And that's what that's what He said, "Prove me therewith." But um, nobody likes somebody having to prove them, you know, to test them and and see if they're if they're genuine or not. Um, because you know it's especially when you are i mean if you if you are if you are really genuine and somebody you know wants to you know try and prove it, then it's like, well, what the heck it's like you know, do you not, it's like I told you isn't that good enough you know and then of course if if you're not genuine, you don't want them to tempt you or trust you or prove you because then they're going to find you out so which is probably good, but uh uh, but there's a lot of superstition in Christianity, you know. And uh, uh, you know, I, I think back to um, the the uh, I've never I don't know anybody like this that believes this kind of stuff. But uh, you know, I've I've heard of you know people that believe it's like you know you wake up with a crick in your neck and it's like God's talking to you about being stiff-necked and and disobedient and you know, or if you've got plantar fasciitis, God's telling you there's something wrong with your walk and you know, and and you know, it just goes on and on and on. You know, it's like I I, I can only imagine. It's like, well, what does it mean if I have pimples? You know, but <laughs> it's like I don't, I can't even imagine. I mean, because that's just yeah. Anyway, you know, so you know, because Gideon he he proved God, didn't he? Had the fleece and everything, and we we use that. You know, it's like put a fleece before God about this and that and the other thing. And, and you know, there's a place for that. Uh, but uh, um, I was listening to this old hymn on the way in here, and you guys all are familiar with it. If you don't know it, uh, trust and obey. And I was thinking, man, that's such a precious song. You know, and I love how it says there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey, because you, you know. There's, because uh, if if he tells you something and you don't trust it, you're not gonna be happy. You're gonna be wrestling and anxious, you know. And and if you don't obey, you're gonna be anxious and unhappy, and trying to, you know, come up with some kind of excuse or, or, you know, explain it away like, oh, that wasn't really him. You know, that was, you know, that was just my own imagination, and that kind of thing. Um, but we. You know, there's a lot of things that we look at in our life, just in everyday stuff that we kind of sometimes attach that superstition to. It's like, oh, God must be telling me, you know, this or that because this happened and, and that kind of thing. And 
and if when you when you if you spend your days looking for signs like that that God is is you know proving you with this that or the other thing, then uh, you you will live on tenterhooks and you won't you be able to just rest in in His love and, and the fact that He He knows where you're at and and nothing in your life comes as a surprise to Him. You know nobody likes going to the doctor. You know like. Especially, like, I remember being a kid. It's like, you go to the doctor, and I don't, I don't know. I, I had this weird pediatrician. It's like, I'd go in there with the sniffles, and he wanted you to, like, you know, sit naked on the butcher paper, you know? And it was like, okay, you know? So, <laughs> well, it's like I hated going to the doctor. Well, you know, the older I got, the more I realized how irregular that was. But, um, so, anyway... But, you know, if you go to the doctor, for example, you know, um, you know nobody likes that, but it doesn't do any good to, uh, you know, to hide the things that, that you're there to see him for. It's uncomfortable. Uh, we were talking about um, uncomfortable experiences at the doctor's office or at the hospital or whatever the other night, and we all have had those experiences that we would have just as soon never had to have happen, but they just have to happen. You know, and and it's uncomfortable because there's a person that's going to you know do whatever they're going to have to do, and it's super awkward. But you know, you have to kind of think about it. For them, it's like this is like just another day at the office. It's like they just went and clocked in, and here we go. You know, this is what I do for a living somehow. You know, <laughs> and um, but you know, it, it's you know, God is not disgusted or surprised by the things that he finds in us and that's not why he proves us you know he he proves us to uh to bring that stuff out and uh, uh so that we can we can get rid of it no but here he talks about like i said about this us proving him and and uh you know and like i said i think that's a very superstitious kind of thing to feel like you'd have to prove him and see if he would come through for you it's like a Sounds like uh, sounds like a, a junior high relationship. So it's like I'm gonna go talk to this uh, this good-looking guy over there and see if she no- or if he notices. You know, it's like uh, like that's you know, that's a healthy start. So uh, it, so he says in verse ten, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Murmur is such a good word. It's it's almost an automatopoeia. Because that 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 grumbling—that's what it sounds like. I, you know, I was a I was a kid with a really nasty attitude once, and uh, I did plenty of murmuring as I walked away from people. And uh, you know, so you know, this word means to discontentedly complain. You know, and it happens to everyone. We all have those days. I was having a pretty good week, and then Friday I just had one too many things kind of get on my nerves, and I was a little afraid by Friday afternoon, and uh, I suppose it was more of a snap than a murmur uh, that I, I aimed at Mike, that he politely deflected <laughs> and and pointed out, and I had another one of those, I'm a butthead moments, you know, so that was great, but... Uh, um, so we all have those moments where we're discontent, you know, where, where we have things that we want to complain about, you know, even, 
you know, honestly, even when good things are happening, like you know, in your life, things that you really are needing or wanting to have happen in your life, you can still find a reason to complain about it. You know, it's like it's like, man, God, I I really need some work. It's like, man, I'm so busy. It's terrible. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that's just kind of the nature of flesh. It's like never never satisfied. The grass is always greener. You know. You know, and so God doesn't always do what we want Him to do, and uh, and I think and you know, that goes back to that superstitious thing, because we we murmur when we find out that God's not a rabbit's foot. You know, it's like well, you know, and, and that's what the uh, a lot of Christianity is trying to do is is make God into this lucky rabbit's foot. It's like you know. Uh, if, you know, if you say this, and you know, you, like you recite this prayer, then you know God is is bound to do this thing that you've said because you you recited this thing while you were thinking about what you're going to make for dinner tomorrow. You know, but you said it, so he's got to do it. You know, and like very superstitious. It's, you know, and it and it goes right back to the thing that Cynthia said about the idol. It's like that's. You, know, you could call it Jesus, but that's not Jesus. You, know, you can't you can't manipulate him. You can't control him or or boss him around. You know, you know, because he's the big boss, as Ron would say. <laughs> so, so obviously, in the in the wilderness, uh, God didn't always do what they wanted him to do, and so they murmured. They were unhappy. So he says here in verse 11, Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they're written for our admonition on whom the ends of the world are come. It's so great to have an example to refer back to. To have watched somebody else have tried something and, and see, wow, that didn't work. So that then you save yourself the trouble of trying it that way, don't you? Hopefully. So, you know. And I was a teenager once, and I know sometimes you just have to try it anyway because you know better, <laughs> or you could do it better, or you know it's like, well, they didn't account for this, blah blah blah. But God gave us these examples in black and white. He's like, here's what not to do, and uh, and, he, and he, I like how he uses the word admonition, you know, because sometimes you know I, I like you know because admonished. To me, has this kind of—I don't know—I picture like a very, you know, stern, you know, somebody looking over their glasses at you, kind of, kind of look. You know, if you know people that do that, that wear the glasses and they look down over you like this when they're talking to you, it's very disconcerting. There's this—I don't know what it is. There's some kind of like—I don't know—it this visceral sort of response of like, ooh, authority, you know, and. Uh, it's like, don't mess with that. So, uh, but no, you know, an admonition is like you're telling somebody, it's like, you know, here's what you do or here's what you don't do. But it, but it, uh, you know, it, it has like with it a sense of like a, not like you have already done this. It's like, here's what you don't want to do. It's like, you know, it's, it's like parenting. You, you, you know, you. You know, we learned this thing from our business coach about how you can live life as a fireman or as a fire marshal. Like, you you know, a fireman just runs around responding to emergencies, and a fire marshal actually spends his time setting things in order so that the emergencies don't happen or that, 
or reducing the the amount of the emergencies and that kind of thing, and and ways to deal with the emergencies that are feel less chaotic. And I kind of wish somebody would have told me that when my kids were in diapers, because parenting is kind of like that. You know, I spent, you know, you spend a lot of days just like a fireman, like stop that, quit that, you know, stop biting your brother, get off your sister, you know, and, and all that. But you know, the sense of admonishing is like would be like telling them now, here's what we're gonna do. This is how we act. This is how we behave, and, and we're we're teaching you this so that you don't do this. You know, and so you know, you've all had that conversation if you have kids. You know, it's like okay, now we're going to go in the store. I'm not going to buy you anything, so don't ask. We are here to buy a present for so and so, and nothing else. You know, and uh, so you're admonishing them. You know, and I always tell my kids is like you know, look, you see all these strangers here. They don't know us, so. They are under the impression that we are nice, normal people. Let's please, please leave them with that impression. <laughs> it's like it doesn't have to be true. They just have to believe it. <laughs> and you, you know my family, and you know it's a farce, but it's a pleasant fiction. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, so God gives us this this admonishment right out the gate. It's like, hey, you know, let me you know, let me tell you early on, you know, here's what you don't want to do. And and it's not just this wilderness wanderings. I mean, you see it from the just from the beginning to end of Genesis. It's like, you know, it's like so so okay, well you don't want to do that. That was a bad bad idea. You don't want to do that. That was a bad idea. And so God gives us these this admonition. And and I like how in Proverbs he talks about raising a child in the nurture and admonition. Because you have both. You know, there's that, it's almost like, you know, mom and dad. You have, like, the, the nurturing awe, and then you have the, the admonishing. Although I've known some women who could admonish, like you would. <laughs> yep. I mean, you you all know Donna. Man, if you've ever seen The Finger, that, like, she's like, now hold on now. And she doesn't wear glasses, but she's looking over. Like she has them on. It's like, back away slowly. Mama Bear's coming out. <laughs> uh, we were reminiscing about that house on fire thing the other day. That was so great. You're my hero, Fred. So, I, was, I was just telling everybody earlier how much I enjoy you know, pushing Cynthia's buttons just a little bit. Because, you know, happy wife, happy life. But slightly irritated wife, amusing life. So uh, there's a fine line where all of a sudden it's not fun anymore, though. <laughs> I have <laughs> I have been known to cross that line a few times, and then I admonished myself later. <laughs> Let's not cross that line again. <laughs> So there you go. Uh, so in verse 12, he says, "Let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall." This is the same word it used in verse 8 when he was talking about uh, the fornicators and how they fell in the wilderness. You know, and so and it just means you know to to, to fall down, to fail, to die. I mean, all of those things. Um, and it's interesting because 
um, you know, there are these just widely disparate, you know, thoughts in Christianity of I can do whatever because I've got grace, you know, it's like the like that. What is it? Lakeside Community Church or whatever it is, the church for people that hate church. And then you have um, and then you have the um, I've got it all together and, uh, you know, uh, you know, look at me and you know, they smile and their teeth go Wee! and stuff like that, you know. But, uh, you know, and so you have that that side of the spectrum. It's like, let him that thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Because we trust in God to keep us going in the right direction. And, you know, the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So, um, it's it's easy to get comfortable in this thought of... Uh, I've got this down. Like I've, I've heard the admonishments, and I've you know I've I've made myself you know aware of them, and I put these things into practice. So I'm good. You know because then you you have a tendency to shut your ears and not hear anything else that God has to say. And uh, uh, and of course the Bible says that uh, the pride goes before a fall. You know so um, you know it's all well and good to you know just you recognize that you're doing well and and be happy about it but that's about as strong as that feeling probably ought to get because because it's him isn't it like it's just like uh Wednesday night I was telling you guys about that song you know when I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride because what kind of pride could you possibly have you know, being uh, being a, a, a wretch, undone, and and he rescued you and pulled you out of the miry clay and put his spirit into you and, and made you what you are. What what kind of pride could you possibly have in in your own accomplishment or ability? Uh, in verse thirteen, uh, he says, "There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man." But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Uh, the Young's literal says, but will with the temptation also make the outlet that you may be able to bear it. It's like, huh, because, you know, when you're fighting with temptation, it feels like, it, it, it is kind of like being just filled up with, something and you're trying to hold it in because you're having to control this impulse of whatever it might be and uh, and just keep it and eventually you, you feel like like a, a can of soda that's like been dropped and rolled across the parking lot and it's like don't touch me <laughs> I'm going to explode you know and uh, uh, but he says that he'll make the outlet you know, he makes you know and, and I like a way of escape because that in some ways, I think that's even better, but I like the sense of the outlet. He gives you a way to you know, get rid of that, that temptation, to, to, to deal with it in a way that's, that's right, and, uh, and, to, and you know, just to hand it over to him, because you know, he is that outlet. And uh, um, So I, I think it's interesting that he, you know, he puts that there after talking about all these things that the children of Israel went through in the wilderness. 
and he, and he kind of has this laundry list of these mistakes that they made. Uh, and he says, now these are examples, you know, for our admonition. You know, we don't want to do that same thing. So, you know, and the other thing about this taking heed, lest, you know, if, let him that thinks he stands, lest he fall. It's easy to read about the, the, you know, the Jews all through the Old Testament and think, stupid Jews. You know, it's easy to think, well, I wouldn't have done that. Or it's like, well, you know, we've, we've got, you know, we've got this down. We know better. You know, it's like, I can't believe they couldn't see Christ for who he was and all that stuff. You know, I mean, you could just, you know, it's easy to fall into that thinking. You know, and, and Paul addressed that in Romans because he said, you know, they were, you know, yeah, they were cut off for unbelief. But, uh, and, and you were grafted in, but, you know, how much more would they be grafted back into their own tree? Because that's where they came from. You know, and uh, there's nothing like uh, uh, nothing like treating somebody really bad, and then uh, and then you find out you're, gonna, you're stuck with them. Yeah. <laughs> then you kind of have to. Oh, my bad. It's easy to it's easy to get upset at somebody and fly off the handle if you don't think you're gonna have to talk to them again. So it's a lot, uh, you know it's it's funny because if you you know you know we 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 have tempers and things like that, and it's easy to. Uh, it, it's it's not as hard to control as it seems like. It is difficult. I'm not saying it isn't, but, uh, but uh, you know, like like Ron always said, you know, you uh, you don't fly off the handle with the policeman, you know, or the guy that's like seven inches taller than you and outweighs you by a hundred pounds. You know, you're probably not gonna fly off the handle with that guy either, you know. So um, um, so that's a, that's an interesting thought. But you know, he. You know, he talks about all these temptations that, that Israel went through because it wouldn't be easy to uh, go from uh, go from Egypt out into the wilderness. For one thing, you know, they were slaves there, and part and a part of what the Egyptians did to them was really kind of over, you know, however many generations or in 400 years, uh, really kind of destroyed their sense of autonomy really destroyed their sense of uh, initiative and decision-making abilities and independence. And so then they're out in the wilderness and, you know, and if you have no initiative and no drive and, and no, uh, no sense of being able to make your own decisions and then you encounter difficulty, you know, what, what would you expect to do but fall apart? Um, so, um, so God knew they would need him. When they got out there, and they got to the, and they were boxed in between the Egyptians and the Red Sea. So, um, you know, and of course, you know, uh, I shudder to think, uh, you know, what I would have uh, been like uh, wandering in the wilderness, hungry and thirsty. I probably would have been about as whiny as they come. Um, but, but there's this, you know, all those things involve a temptation. A temptation to to complain, a temptation to to do what the flesh wants to do, a tem- temptation to you know put myself first and, and all this stuff. And he and he said, there's you know none of this stuff is is unusual because it feels like it is. It's like oh man, I've got this war coming against me, and you know, nobody else knows what it's like to deal with this temptation. You know, no, and um, and he said, yeah, you know, actually it's common to man. You know, and uh, sometimes I think, you know, sometimes we find comfort in that, I think, and sometimes maybe not. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, well, 
that's great to know, but it doesn't really help me any. <laughs> you know. But uh, but you know there there have been times that I've you know I, I've wrestled with things and wrestled with things and then found out that other people wrestled with them that I really didn't think anyone else did. And it was like, you mean I'm not just def- this defective, deviant piece of scum? <laughs> I'm not the trash can bottom with the gum and the slime on the bottom and stuff? Sweet! You know? So so there's no temptation taking you but what's common to man. But God is faithful and He won't suffer you because it feels like you're going that like this is just too much. You know, but when... Uh, if you're if you're going to get stronger, you're going to have to push past what you think you can do, you know, in, until you really literally can't do anymore. But that's where the outlet comes in. That's where the way of escape comes in. Um, and then the next time that temptation comes to you, it's not it's not as bad until it gets up to that level again, and then you push further and harder against it, and then God makes that way of escape, and 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 he and he strengthens us like that. Um, so and then you know of course the rest of the chapter he gets into talking about communion and stuff so appropriate that he would talk about idolatry and and uh um and all of those things and then you know, the uh the catholic church has really turned this you know turned it into exactly that you know it's like you have you know and and not even just the catholic church but it's like um you know been to weddings where they did communion and stuff like that and it's like I, I told Cynthia's grandpa once, I was like, you know, the you know the thing about communion though is it's like it's a cracker. You know, and and you know and you're you're examining yourself with it, is what the Bible tells you to do. It's like I examined myself by a cracker once and all I the only similarities I could find was that we were white and salty. <laughs> and uh he he laughed and was like just kinda of moved on. <laughs> I don't really want to talk about that anymore. So, uh, so, so God's given us, uh, you know, these uh, this instruction, these examples, you know, and, and I, I love the admonishment because sometimes you just, you know, it's a good reminder. It's like, hey, you know, just be aware of these things. They're out there. You know, if you don't want to get caught by surprise by them, you know, and then. Uh, and he gives you these examples, but then he has, he ends that passage with this assurance of you know this you know you're going to be tempted with these things. I, I, Spurgeon did a great sermon on the, the passage in Hebrews where uh, he said that they were uh, you know that they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, and all these other things. And, and he's like talked about how they put tempted in the middle there as if it were on the same level of difficulty as you know being burned at the stake and being cut to pieces and drawn and quartered and all that stuff because it is it's you know and and the 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 stakes are the same and so um so it's precious though that God would remind us that you know it's like I I've made a way of escape for you and you may not see it at the you know and it's it's harder to see in that like fog of war that you're when you're in the middle because of course the bible says that every Battle is with uh, you know, confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But if you if you look and, and you and you look to Him, He'll make that way of escape for you. Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us and your great faithfulness.
God, and today what we pray is that Your presence would do in us what only You can. God, that You would uh, strengthen every heart in this place, that You'd remind us of these uh, examples from Your Word, God, these uh, admonishments that You've brought us, God, and that You would uh, encourage every heart, God, when the, when the, the going gets tough, God, to, to remember that, that You won't let it get so hard that it would defeat us, God, but that You have made a way. Uh, a way through for us in, in every um, every experience, God, whether it be a, a, a lengthy wilderness type experience, God, or or just a, a momentary um, battle, God, we just we pray in Your name, Jesus, that today You would just do in us what only You can, that Your presence in this place would refresh every heart and meet every need as only You can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.